Shalom again. This is Reverend John Ferret, and welcome to Truth Nuggets number eight. This is our third lesson on the Lord's Prayer. If you recall in lesson one, which would have been Truth Nugget six, we focused in on Luke chapter 11, verse one, where a disciple sees Jesus praying, and that disciple comes to Jesus after Jesus is done praying and says, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And so what we focused in on was this prayer. Why did Jesus give it to us? Why did he give it to them? Because a disciple wants to be what their rabbi is. And Jesus was in that role of rabbi, Torah teacher, when he was here in his ministry. So again, what is a disciple in Jewish culture? And that showed us the importance of this prayer that enhances its use for us today. In lesson two, which would have been Torah nugget number seven, we focused in on Matthew 6, 6 through 7, and we took a look at some specifications Jesus had about seemingly personal prayer, not public prayer. I mean, public prayer, you cannot do it alone. So therefore, he said, pray alone, remember? And then he also said, do not be like the pagans. Do not use meaningless repetition. And again, those days, those days in the Jewish culture of 2,000 years ago really shed light uh, on those verses and Jewish prayer. Now, Jesus taught between 24 to 30 A.D. to his disciples his Talmudim, Hebrew word for disciples is Talmudim. And these are those with a passion. These are those with a commitment so that they would be just like their rabbi. They would imitate their rabbi. So in this lesson, we're reminded that Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He speaks in Hebrew, not Aramaic. And he's te teaching to his Jewish disciples. And they're probably teenagers. They're immersed in the Jewish culture, and the only had the only scripture that they had, which was only available at the synagogue. I mean, they couldn't carry it around with them. But the only Bible that they had was the Old Testament, which I like to call the Hebrew scriptures. And the foundation of the Old Testament was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was their foundation. These disciples practiced the customs and the rituals of Second Temple Judaism. And so for us, what we want to do is we want to go back and put the Lord's Prayer back into the historical setting. We want to reconnect to those days and walk those highways, those pathways, those streets that they walked on and try to see what they saw. What did the disciples see? What did they hear? And how did they understand this prayer? so that this might result, may enhance and enrich our walk as disciples in these days. Now we're going to start focusing in on the words of the prayer. Focusing on the words of Hatafila Talmudim, the prayer of the disciples, which seemingly they get from Jesus. So Jesus probably prayed in the same format, and we would say Hatafila Adonai the Lord's Prayer. So we want to start focusing on these words in this lesson and in subsequent lessons. Now I'm going to use 
the version of the Lord's Prayer that would be found in the New American Standard Bible in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. So those words are, Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. By the way, when you actually take a look at the New American Standard Version, the words, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, they're in brackets. If words are in brackets in the New American Standard, that means these words were added. They were not in the original transcripts of the Greek. Very interesting that they were added. I like the addition. But anyway, you may have the King James Version. You may have the NIV. That's the Bible that you may be using. Or the English Standard Version, the ESV. In the ESV, it says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Again, different than the NASB. So there's certainly different, different choice of words. But the Greek and the Hebrew in the original, they're fixed. And it's depending on a fixed historical culture. So I'm not worried about the English because we're going to be focusing in on the background in terms of the Hebrew and the Greek. So we're going to start with the phrase, Our Father who is in heaven. Now when we take a look at the two words, the first two words of the prayer, Our Father, you probably will hear some Christians say that this is a very unique Christian way of praying to our Father. It's not Jewish. You may hear Christians say that this is a new idea that Jesus is bringing. But for the Talmudim, for the disciples of Jesus between 24 to 30 AD, this phrase, our Father, is very familiar with to, to them. The words, our Father, are found in prayers the disciples knew and on top of that, not only do they know these prayers, they probably had them memorized from an early age. Now, we have the exact words of a lengthy prayer called Shemine Esrei, the 18 blessings. Though in Jesus' day, there were not 18 specific parts to the Shemine Esrei, 18 blessings, or probably maybe 10, maybe 15. It was completed at the end of the first century A.D., and the rabbis in Jesus' day, they called the Shemini Esri the prayer. And it must be said by all Jews, it has to be said by all Jews each day, three times per day, forever, continuously, throughout their life, pray without ceasing. And that's why I say these disciples probably had this prayer memorized, only for the simple reason it was a foundation of their practice of their faith. But notice I started using the words continuously and without ceasing. This probably helps us understand what Paul is talking about. He was a religious Jew. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. 
And in light of that, if you remember in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17, Paul is teaching and he says, Rejoice always and also pray without ceasing. Now, the Greek word there, uh, it's Strong's number is G89. And the Greek word is adial iptos. Adial iptos. And from Thayer's Greek lexicon, it talks about incessant prayer. Praying assiduously, continuously, all the time, not giving up. Now to us, in the church of the 21st century, we are so cut off from that Jewish culture. And we probably are reading this in English and we struggle to say, how do you pray continuously, without ceasing? Are we to pray every second? I've heard uh, people in my classes talk about the fact, well, we're going to make life a prayer. And so we're trying to struggle with the English with regards to Paul's statement about praying without ceasing. But to a Jew in Thessalonica, it's not even an issue. They were praying the prayer. Later on, it's called the 18 blessings, the Shemini Esrei. They, they did it three times a day, all their lives. They did it continuously, without ceasing. So for them, they would pray adial iptos, incessantly, assiduously, continuously, all the time. They wouldn't give up. So for us today, that English phrase, to pray unceasingly by Paul really gives us the idea that in Jesus' day it really kind of meant just to pray every day. Maybe even pray three times a day. Forever. Now the prayer, Shemine Esrei, we have the exact words preserved. Today it is still prayed three times a day among many deeply religious Jews. They use a prayer book, and I've got one in my hand right here, called a siddur. Siddur basically is a Hebrew word for order. So basically, they're not in any order. In other words, you don't go from page 1 to you know page 600, and this is the order of prayers. But it's an organization in an orderly fashion of the Jewish prayers. So I'm going to take a look at the words of Shemine Esrei. The fifth section and the sixth section... It is felt by scholars that indeed this would have been part of the prayer that Jesus would have prayed and the disciples would have prayed every day. So in the fifth and sixth sections of the uh, Shemine Esrei, I'm going to be reading this, and it says, Bring us back our Father to your Torah, and bring us near our King to your service, and influence us to return in perfect repentance before you. Blessed are you, Adonai, who desires repentance. Our Father. They prayed this three times a day. Seven days a week, their whole life. Here's the next section. Forgive us, our Father. For we have erred. Pardon us, our King, for we have willfully sinned. For you are the good and forgiving God. Blessed are you, Adonai, the gracious one who pardons abundantly. So Jesus and his disciples are likely praying the prayer every day, three times a day. They are, I mean, all of them, <laughs> not only Jesus, but the disciples, they are so familiar with praying to the Lord, praying to the Father of Israel. 
There's another wonderful prayer that I just love. I'm not sure if it was said in the first century in Jesus' day. I think it was probably developed after the temple was destroyed. But religious Jewish people today say this prayer between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This is part of their order, part of their plan. And the prayer is called Avenu Malkenu, our Father, our King, our Father. And again, religious Jewish people today, in the Middle Ages, all the way back, they knew this phrase, Our Father. It was part of their prayers every day. Let me just read a few lines of the prayer, Avenu Malkenu. Avenu Malkenu, our Father, our King, we have sinned before you. Our Father, our King, we have no king but you. Our Father, our King, deal kindly with us for your namesake. Our Father, our King, bless us with a good year. Our Father, our King, nullify all harsh decrees upon us. And it goes on for a couple of pages. It's, it's just a beautiful, gorgeous prayer. I just love it. Now, the disciples of Jesus, they had no New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. And again, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, was their foundation. And when we go into the Torah, and when we go into the Hebrew Scriptures, it's verified over and over and over again that God was considered the Father of Israel. Let's just take a look. I'm going to go to De Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. And in Deuteronomy 32, verse 6, we read, Do you thus repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he your Father who has bought you? He has made you and established you. Now, this is interesting because in this verse, verse 6, it says, Do you thus repay the Lord? Now, the word Lord is capitalized. It's all caps, which means that that word comes from a Hebrew word called Adonai, which is a cover word. A cover word because the original Hebrew has God's name there, yud Hey vav Hey, the tetragrammaton. Yeah, I pronounce it Yahweh, and other people pronounce it uh, you know, Yahweh, and so on. So in other words, what we have here in verse 6, Do you thus repay, repay Yahweh, O foolish and unwise people? Is not he, meaning Yahweh, your father? Yahweh, the God who talked to Moses on Mount Sinai, the creator God, the God over all nations and the entire universe. So in Deuteronomy 32.6, we see that Yahweh, God, is considered the Father, the Father of Israel. Here's another one. We're going to go to Exodus 4.22. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. This is an amazing verse. God is telling Moses and instructing him in verse 22 the following, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. God's very own words that indeed Israel is my son, my firstborn. Notice it says son, not sons. We'll go to Isaiah 64 verse 8. We read, but now, O Lord, here it is again. So therefore, in the original Hebrew, we would have the tetragrammaton, yud heh vav -Hey, but now Yahweh, you are our Father. 
We're the clay and you are our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. You can find this in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 31. You can find this in Jeremiah 31, 9 and other places. On top of that, even before Jesus' day, in the Dead Sea Scrolls in K4, which is at the site, the, what we call Qumran, in the Dead Sea area, uh, in K4 they found multiple fragments of many scrolls. And there they found the fragment of Tobit. And the, the piece that they found of Tobit is called 4Q200. 4, meaning K4, Q at Qumran, and 200. They happened to number the piece and the number was 200. Now in Tobit, they were able to read the Hebrew because it's, you can look up Tobit if you have a Bible that does have the Apocrypha, it's Tobit 13.4, which says, because he is our Lord and God, he is our Father forever. Now the book of Tobit is likely to be dated no later than the second century B.C., so not only, I mean, we see this in the book of Deuteronomy. We see it in the times of Moses. We see it before Jesus' day. Now, if you want to check out to actually take a look at this fragment, you can. There's a great website. I've got the link for you to the website. It's called deadseascrolls.org.il because it's an Israeli website. And I also have the link for you uh, at that website directly to the fragment called 4Q200. So you can actually take a look at that little piece that was found in cave number four at Qumran. So for the disciples, the Lord's Prayer starts like many other Jewish prayers. The concept that God is our Father is totally familiar to them. But there is something that definitely is unique. Let's take a look at Jesus' words. I'm in Matthew 26, verse 39. In context, what's happening is Jesus is at Gat Shemanim. Gat Shemanim is Hebrew. Back into the Greek, it's Gethsemane. And Gethsemane is an olive press. Got, Shemanim. Got is press, Shemanim is oils. So this is a press for oils. He's either in the olive press or probably outside. But anyway, this is the night before he dies. This is after the Passover meal of the Messiah. And here's Jesus' words in Matthew 26, 39. And he went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and prayed saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now there's another place where Jesus says, my father. This is in John chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. We read, for this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, my father's working until now, and I myself am working. Notice what he says. But he answered that, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he had not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also 
was also calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. This seems to be very unique. It's highlighted here in John chapter 5. Let's take a look at this a little bit closer. Starting in verse 16, we have this phrase, for this reason. The Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath and they were persecuting him. And that's the reason why they were persecuting him. So that's number one. Number two, but he answers them, my father is working until now and I myself am working. And then in verse 18, it says, for this reason, therefore the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. We'll just stop there. For this reason, what reason? For Jesus's statement, my father is working until now and I myself am working. So Jesus says, Adonai, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of all creation is his father. And it's also implied that he's doing the same work as his father. He's doing the work only God can do. Combining the statements of my father and also the statement of he's doing his work and now I'm doing the work, it implies that Jesus is God because he is doing the work only God can do. That is a possibility, a distinct possibility in looking at these verses. But it is very unique because what's going on here, Jesus is saying, God is my father. So the Lord's Prayer for us, from Lesson 1 of this series, we want to be like Jesus. We're going to pray daily. Pray this prayer, the Lord's Prayer daily, which he gave to us. He gave Hatafilah, Adonai, the Lord's Prayer, to us, his disciples, Hatafilah Talmudim. And so now we want to do this. We want to, we want to pray daily. How? He taught us continuously. And now we can say, this is one thing I want to do to focus on being a true disciple. But our Father, not only the Father of Israel, but the Father of disciples. And the third thing is that Jesus is saying, our Father is his Father, his personal Father. Jesus, yes, he is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God by the very words of the Father, as we read in the Gospels. The first two words are just amazing. They're just so amazing. As we take a look at Jewish prayer in the first century, days of Jesus and the Jewish culture. Matter of fact, Dr. Marvin Wilson, a, a wonderful scholar, of the Jewish roots of our faith. He wrote a book called Our Father Abraham, The Jewish Roots of the Christian Faith. I really believe that this should be required reading of every Christian across the earth. Matter of fact, we should start, if it was up to me, we would start using this book in eighth grade so that we would be reconnected to understand the Jewish culture in Jesus' day so that we can more have an, an enriching and enhanced faith as we walk with Jesus today. Dr. Marvin Wilson says this about the Lord's Prayer from our father Abraham. The Jewishness of Jesus is further illustrated in the Lord's Prayer. The prayer is thoroughly Jewish and could readily have appeared without change in rabbinic literature. 
It reflects such ancient Jewish prayers as the mourner's Kaddish, a prayer which sanctifies God's name in the presence of death, and the Shemini Esrei. We just talked about that, the 18 blessings, which the Jewish rabbis called the prayer. Further on in that section, Dr. Wilson also says, the Gospels clearly affirm the Jewishness of Jesus and his strong endorsement of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, by his close attachment to its teachings. Surely the attitude that a church in these matters should be no different than the Lord's. Now my own comment is, sadly, the 21st century church is separated. The history and the geography and the culture and customs of the Bible, and especially of Jesus' day. So, just the first two words. Our Father. In Hebrew, Avenu. This establishes just the first two words that what we're dealing with, like Marvin Wilson said, is a very Jewish prayer. The disciples, they got it. Our Father, that phrase is used in the Sheminius Ray in the prayer. They would have said that three times a day, and they were very familiar with it. Amazing. Amazing as we reconnect to those days to see what they saw, to hear what they heard, to understand what they understood, our Father. And so too for us. This prayer becomes amazing in terms of the perspective, the new perspective. It's bigger than we thought. In the next lesson, we're going to be dealing with the next phrase. Our Father, who is in heaven, he is in heaven. I always like to ask people, where does God live? Well, he lives in heaven. We're going to take a look at this in the next lesson. We're dealing with English. And it's going to be very interesting. The English actually presents us with a dilemma. And we'll take a look at that dilemma in the next lesson. In Truth Nugget, number nine. Until then, Shalom.